Praise God. My pastor, my pastor growing up, he said he looked out one day and said there was a bird sitting on the power line. He said the thought just came to him. If that bird only knew how much power it was sitting on. That's how I feel right now. If you only realize how much power was in this building, he could set you free and everything you've been praying for free. I told Sister Teresa a while ago, I said, you need to prophesy, didn't I? Some of you in this building that are dealing with some situations, you need to know who you are and you need to speak the word of faith. You ought to prophesy right now what you want God to do in your family. I think you ought to lift your voice and prophesy. Lord, you're going to set them free. You're going to turn this tragic situation around. They are going to be healed. Come on, I want somebody to prophesy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sister, Sister Redmond, I've been preaching it everywhere this summer. I told you the other day, I was telling you a story. When God gave me the dream, when I said, what would happen when I was preaching in my dream at this pulpit? I said, what if we lived in a place where God trusted us so much that whatever we would pray, he would do it. And in my dream, Sister Cindy Redmond came out with her hands raised just like that down, down, down to the altar. And I woke up. I got up and preached that message God gave me in a dream. And you know what? When I gave, I said, how many want it? Here came Sister Cindy Redmond in that same outfit that was in my dream. I do believe that you can come into a place that whatever you say, God said it this way. He said, commandest thou my hands. We, God's not submitted to us, but he puts his word in our spirit and we speak it and he does it. The Bible says, speaking of Joshua, Joshua's in such a place that Joshua, in a moment of fighting a battle for the Lord, he stopped and said, son, stand still. And it did. And the Bible says there was never a day like that day that God hearkened to the voice of a man. It's not the will of God for your family to be bound. It's not the will of God for this situation to stay. Somebody ought to prophesy in the name of Jesus. Be healed, be delivered, and be set free. Oh, clap your hands and praise. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God's doing a great thing among us. Come on, everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, God is doing something great among us. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother and sister Erickson, Paris. We're so glad that you're here blessing the anchor this weekend. We're so glad of your investment in us and our music this weekend. Amen. We're so thankful tonight. Brother Chad Erickson is going to be ministering. He travels the world preaching the gospel. He is in the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ oversees the area of Asia and global missions. Aren't we glad to have him again? We're so thankful for his voice, their leadership. We've been so blessed by the ministry of her father, Brother, Brother Ken, Kenneth Carpenter. Amen. Appreciate him over the years blessing this church. The book of Matthew chapter 5 book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 12 
It's good to be home. It's good to see everybody. And uh, they say there's a book called 12 Summers. Talking about you only have a few, few summers with your children. And one thing I believe, you need to spend time with your family. And Cindy and I and the kids were able to go out to California. God blessed us. was able to go out there and spend time with our kids that we only have a few summers left with. And uh, I have to say, I enjoy driving through a redwood tree with my kids. Now, all the pictures in my elementary school book were not black and white, but this one was. And from the time I was a kid, I wanted to drive through a redwood tree, and we got to do that. <clears throat> and I got to catch a big fish, just, just by the way. Uh, uh, I feel a bragging spirit coming up on me. I don't know what that is. I was telling... Uh, I was talking to Steve Coleman before church, and I said, uh, I said, Finn, tell him about the fish you caught. He said, I'm too tired. I said, well, tell him about the big one you caught. I didn't catch a big one. He did. He caught a good salmon. He said, how about the two I caught at the same time, Dad? So uh, we have a video that showed that. <clears throat> Anyhow, it's good to be in church. I've, I've bragged enough, I think. We're just going to have church. Matthew 5. There's no, there's no place like the anchor. There is so much prophecy over this church that's getting ready to be fulfilled in the next three years. In the next three years. Amen. Buckle your seatbelts and watch what God's going to do. The prophet told us that in the next three years that we would not be able to contain the crowd even in multiple services in this building. People are going to come from afar to experience a move of God. It's going to rock completely everything we do, programs, all that. It's going to be beyond us. We're going to try to preach and can't. We're going to try to sing and won't be able to. We're going to have to extend services because of the amount of people that we're going to be baptizing. People that, are, people that we're sending out, they're going to be preaching the gospel like fiery evangelists coming out of this church. Amen. Amen. When, when Bishop Morgan prophesied of a year ago in favor about fire evangelists, we pictured just preachers. But the fact of the matter is God's going to set these saints on fire. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're the evangelist that was prophesied. Tell somebody, you're going to catch on fire today. Whew. I feel the fire right now, don't you? Amen. Matthew 5 and 12, rejoice. Everybody shout rejoice. And be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Somebody say amen. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Don't think there's not going to be any persecution or people mocking you because of how you live and what you believe. He said, but rejoice and be glad. Verse 13, understand ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost his savor wherewith shall it be salted it is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men verse 14 ye are the light of the world a city 
that is set on and hill cannot be hid. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a city set on a hill that can't be hid. I want everybody to shout, we are strategically located to reach our world. Lift your hands and ask God to speak to your heart. Would you do that? The Bible says lift your heart with your hands, Solomon said. Lord, I'm asking you to speak to our heart today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. I pray that God, today you would minister to this congregation today in a mighty way to be a paradigm shift of how we think about church, how we think about Christianity, so they can realize who they are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Step across the aisle, greet somebody. Tell them, say, you're, you're at the greatest place in town. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Zion, if you will, I want you to sit in my seat today. Go ahead, Brother Zion Gators. God, God separates you. God separates you from unto. The reason he separates you is for a purpose. The Bible says he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you begin to understand that God didn't call us just to be saved, he told Timothy, he said, this truth will not only save you, but it's going to save them that hear you. It was never enough to, to become a chameleon in the community to where you blend in all week and nobody knows that you belong to him until Sunday when you blend with the rest of the people you attend church with and then praise God, hallelujah, glad to be saved. Then on Monday you mix right back in in conversation the way you appear just mixing with the world. No one knows. They asked a man one time that went in the military. They said it had to be hard being a Christian and being in those circles of people that were not Christians. They said, how did you make it? He said, well, I just never told anybody that I was Christian. You know, that is not the will of God to become darkness, to be them, my Dad would go to work, and he was a he was a coal miner at a period of time time in his life. And and uh, one one man one time played a prank on him and got him shocked real good, and uh, set him up where he'd be shocked. And in the coal mines, you have to understand you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's so it's just it's just pitch black in the coal mines. And uh, until you turn your head headlamp on, you'd be under mines a, a mile, maybe sometimes two miles under a mountain. And uh, one man set him up and. And uh, when he got shocked, my dad, ah, what in the world? You know, shocked and the pain that went through his hands and here came a light on 
near him. Said, I just want to see if you cuss like some of the other Christians do. You see, the world is looking for something authentic and real. My dad worked, my, my dad worked and, and there was a, a man on the job that, that somebody said, Frank, there's a man on the job that really needs, needs God in his life. And, uh, and, and said, it'd be great if you could maybe talk to him somehow. But the problem was the man worked on the other side of the job. And uh, dad went home that night and prayed and said, Lord, if you will, would you put me in his life? I'm asking you, God, to move me from this side of the job to that side of the job because I don't believe that I'm just here. I believe I'm strategically located to minister to somebody on this job. The next day, Dad gets to work, and the boss comes up to, up to him and says, Hey, Frank, said, you know, we don't need you on this side of the job today. We need you on the other side of the job. And put him working with the man he asked God to let him work with. And when it gets there and he sees my dad, he said, last night I asked God, Lord, would you send that preacher from that side of the job to this side of the job? Why? Because you are the salt. You are the light. You are a city that's set on a hill that can't be hid. And dad led him to the Lord. And I don't know if they have that picture up there, but he baptized him in the name of Jesus just a few days later. I think we ought to clap our hands and thank God for that. When you begin to understand that we are not just Christians because of title. We are, we are Christians because of an experience. And God didn't just come to give me eternal salvation. He called me to be an example of his glory upon this earth. You find in John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14. And the word. Somebody shout the word. Was made flesh. And it dwelt where? Among us. And we beheld his glory. He didn't walk like everybody else. He didn't talk like everybody else. He didn't even dress like everybody else. He was different. They mocked him. They did. They persecuted him. They, 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 they would call him names and they didn't understand his doctrine. But they could not ignore that there's something about him that's truly different than any other man we've ever met. There's a glory about him. There's a presence about him. Nicodemus, one of the religious rulers of the Jews, he came to Jesus by night. You know why? Because he didn't want anybody to know that he was going to go see Jesus. He hid and slipped down the alley and asked questions. Do you know where Jesus is and found where he was? And, and uh, when he found him, he said, Jesus, I've got to talk to you because there's just something I've recognized. Is that you have to be a teacher that comes from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God is with him. What was he making reference to? Is that there's something about you that's beyond man. There's a glory. Everybody shout the glory. Everybody shout it again, the glory. There is something there that's beyond personality and giftings and talent and oratory. There's something... It's amazing because it's 
People can be hungry and he can take a boy's lunchbox and feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. This man that seemed somewhat ordinary yet different, he could walk up to a graveside and say, Lazarus! come forth on a man that stinketh by now due to the, the degrading of the body uh, the, the, it, it is now a man comes out of the tomb and they unwrap him and he lives and people don't understand it how a man that was born down in, in Bethlehem and raised down in a place that they didn't think he could come from that could any good thing come out of Nazareth that he could walk upon the water and calm the wind and the storm it was his glory that people began to look at it it wasn't just his stature. It wasn't his good looks. It wasn't his presentation. But there was something with him that was beyond humanity. And that's what I've come to preach. The church cannot become normal. The church cannot just become like every other gathering in the community. We need something among us that's greater than us. Hallelujah. Somebody shout Amen. God has always wanted his spirit to reside upon his people. Look at your neighbor and say, God doesn't want you to be like everybody else. That's what happened to Samson. Samson was the judge of Israel for 20 years. God wanted him to be set apart. He wanted him to be different than everybody else. He couldn't eat the grapes. He couldn't go to a funeral. He couldn't shave his head for his whole life. A razor could never touch his hair because God wanted people to see the glory of God in his life. And you can't have the glory of God until you're set apart. You can't have the glory of God until you're caught out. Separated, consecrated, dedicated to the things of God. Somebody shout amen. It's what the Bible calls holiness. The Bible says, be you holy as I am holy. Why? Because you are called to a greater thing than just being saved. So he set him apart. Delilah comes in his life and what does she say? Where does your strength lie? What do I need to do? You know, if, a, if you go on a date and the, and the girl asks you, how might I afflict thee? Are y'all with me? And he lays his head in her lap. How dumb do you get? I'm just telling you right now. He lays his head in her lap. She's running her fingers through his, oh, Samson, with your, with your gorgeous hair. How can I hurt you? No, the Bible says run. That's what the Bible says. Get away from that thing. But he didn't. He was, he was so locked in on her beauty that she starts saying, how can I afflict you to make you like everybody else? And that is the goal of the devil in your world. He does not want God to have a kingdom in Zanesville. So he will do everything in his power to get you to blend in, to act like, and to partake of the culture. So you lose your power to overcome the enemy. You see, what we have in the church is something the enemy cannot stop. And Zion, Samson, for a moment, you got to realize, Samson was consecrated from his birth, and there is a consecration that comes from our new birth. Now we say, I'm not going to walk the way I used to walk. I'm not going to live where I used to live. And I'm not going to do what I used to do. I'm not going to act. I'm not going to become immoral. I'm not going to be immodest. I'm not going to do the things the way, I, the way I was from my past. I'm going to live for God however he wants me to live for him. Can you say amen? 
And what happens is it brings power. It brings the glory of God. And there wasn't a thousand Philistines that could stop him from doing the work of God. There wasn't a lion that could stop him. There wasn't, they couldn't even shut the iron gate on him. He could carry the gate off to the top of the hill. Why? Because God's glory was up on him. But when he lost his consecration and to blend in like every other man is when he lost his power. And I've got a question for the anchor today. Do you just want to be another church congregation? They tell me 3,000 churches a year are closing their doors. 3,000 a year. But not the United Pentecostal Church. We're planting so many churches across. We're buying those buildings and planting churches. You know why? There's a power of God that's among us. Somebody say amen. It's happening all over the country right now. They are literally handing over the buildings, the congregations, and their bank accounts to these preachers all over the country because they don't have any preachers in a lot of their churches. They said it's dying. We don't want to know what to do. It's, it's more of an expense to keep it. They're handing the churches over and we are growing by the thousands. Amen. The apostolic movement is so powerful right now. We have an anointing that is upon us. The blind eyes are seeing. Let me stop here. What we used to hear about globally, we're watching consistently locally. Everybody shout the glory of God. God wants people to see his presence among his people. That's why the people at Jericho, they trembled. Rahab said, we've heard of you all. There seems to be a God that goes before you, that is with you. When you come to Jordan rivers, they stop flowing. When you get to Red Seas, they split in half and we know we can't stop you. I wonder what would happen if the word ever got out about the anchor that God is among those praying people. If you got cancer, go there. You can be healed. If your, your family member's demon possessed, you can go there and they can be set free. If you're battling in your mind, your body, or your spirit, there's something that happens when you get among those people. There is delivering power. Everybody shout Amen. He said it this way, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are, somebody shout, a city. Come on, shout it like you mean it. A city set, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Every now and then we're coming back at night, whether shopping in Columbus or whatever. One night I told my wife and my kids, I said, look, there's Zanesville. We were, we were a few miles away. But in the sky, you can see the glow of the light. And they said, is that Zanesville? Really? I said, that's Zanesville. I said, that's the light shining in Zanesville. Sure enough, not too long, come around and there it was, National Road exit. Amen. Zanesville, it's a city that can be seen because of its light. You better not lose your light. Your family needs the light. The Bible says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. You don't light a candle and put it where you can't see it. It doesn't make any sense to cover up what God wants everybody to see. It doesn't make sense to go to work and act like everybody else. Act like you don't know what's going on. 
Come on, I know what I'm preaching right now. I feel my witness coming up on me right now. You hear this preacher. It was never the will of God, young people. You go to school and act like them and blend like them. They're suicidal. They're depressed. They're fornicating. They're doing all kinds of things that's messing with their emotions. And the last thing they need is for a Holy Ghost-filled Christian to go there and be ashamed of who they are. Watch, watch this. In, in Israel, they, they're still fighting over this little piece of land. It's just a, how many's ever looked at Israel on the map? It's just a small, small, just a few miles wide, few miles tall compared, and they're still fighting over it. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you the Canaan land. I'm going to give this land to you. It belongs to you. I have it for you and your people and your seed perpetually to, through every generation. Everybody shout Israel. It was the land of Canaan. It was, it was Canaan land they called it. It was the promised land they called it. And It's just a small little place. And the question would be, Brother Iscardo, why did God want that little piece to belong to Abraham and his seed? when there's all kinds of land that's not being used. Why? Look at your neighbor and say, why? I'm going to show you why. Look at it. Look at the map. Look at this map. Look where Israel is right here. See where Israel here is here? That's a desert. Impassable. When you look here, this goes down to Africa. That right there goes all the way to Asia. And that passage right there goes to Europe. This is the Mediterranean Sea. That is the only land place that connects three continents. Only place you could travel on land and go to all three continents. Why in the world did he want that piece of small land to belong to his people of covenant or the people of his name? so the world could see his glory among his people. They didn't dress like the rest of the world. They didn't act like the rest of the world. They didn't talk like the rest of the world. And there was a presence of God that rested up on them in that world. Are y'all hearing me right now? And what he was saying was, I want the whole world to know my glory that's among my people. You're not on that job. By accident, he has placed you on the job so those sinners can feel the presence of God that is imminent and present in your life. You're not here at Zanesville for no accident. God didn't move you here, place you here in this church for no accident. You are here because you've been strategically located for God to impact your life. I'm going to preach to this congregation. This is bigger than a Sunday event. This is bigger than Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesdays. This is where you catch on fire and you go back to the world that's lost and they look and there's a glow about you. What's different about you? Let me tell you what it is. It's God manifest in my life and you can have it. You need it in your world. Somebody shout hallelujah. My brother, my brother now in Parkersburg, they... They sold their other building. They remodeled another building and just purchased it recently. And the reason they moved is because the reason they moved 
is because they were filling up the other building, having such a fast growth and limited parking, and they moved to another part of the city, rented it. It was a tough situation, and but they went there. Now they own the building. It's a beautiful facility. We're going to celebrate ten years. The church has been there in September. Going down and preaching that for them on a Friday night. I'm excited, excited for them. They moved to an area that if you would sit there in the area, you walk out in the parking lot and you'll find heroin needles laying there. Homeless people sleeping by the church. Broken lives past the parking lot every single day. That parking lot. Matter of fact, Doug White was coming to preach my brother before they were actually in that building and Bishop White came and parked at that parking lot across town and said, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get your church. I feel like I'm at your church. He pulled up to the wrong building. It wasn't in church. It was an old uh, medical facility. I mean, with, with surgery rooms and radiation rooms and lead walls. And, and Bishop White had pulled up to that church, what is now a church, which was an empty facility, big parking lot, before it ever became the church. You see, God knows the next move. I want you to lift one hand in the air and say, God knows my next move. I'm telling this church, what seems to be an inconvenience in God is always an opportunity. Amen. Somebody shout with me, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to get back to my brother's building. I'm going to finish that story in a minute. But let me just tell you, one, years ago, I was flying out of Memphis, Tennessee, through Chicago, back to Ohio. And I'm getting ready to get on the plane, and they let, I go up and hand the stewardess my ticket. She said, please have a seat. And I thought, what was what she, make me have a seat. They let everybody on the plane except me and one other lady. They called my name. I get up there. I hand them my ticket. They changed my seat from 13F to 18F. And I thought, you know, I was a little frustrated. Why they let everybody else on the plane but me? You know how we get. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever been inconvenienced? You ever got an attitude with it? I thought you were saved folks. How many know we have to work through all that? Sometimes we got to work through all the frustration of inconvenience for God to use us. And uh, I walked through, a little frustrated. Everybody's on a plane, but I'm the last one on the plane. And uh, I'm walking down through there, and I thought to myself, why did they change that little narrow aisle? Why did they change my seat from 13F to 18F? And I thought, well, maybe God's up to something. I went back, and somebody's sitting in 18F. I said, get out of that seat. I'm just teasing. I didn't say that. I sat down, and I think it might have been E or whatever it was. I sat down beside her. We started talking. What do you do? Where are you from? Airplane conversation. Well, I'm a preacher. You're a preacher, she said. I said, yeah, I'm a preacher. Well, how did you become a preacher, she said. Well, everybody's buckling up. They're giving their announcements. We're talking. I said, well, I was born crippled. My mom took me to church one night when the pastor laid hands on my crippled feet. God straightened them up just like that. When I said that, I felt the Lord come on the airplane. Somewhere in that conversation, the plane was peaking at some 30,000 feet in the air. And she said, 
She said, do you have any more stories like that? I said, yeah, I got a lot of them. Boy, one story after another. I started talking about the Holy Ghost and fire. The Bible says he's going to give you the Holy Ghost and fire. It's one thing to repent. We believe in that. The Bible says get baptized in Jesus' name. And that was the only way they baptized in Scripture. It's the only thing. That's why they said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And, uh, but when you receive the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, it's going to be like the wind when you receive the Spirit. The Bible says that that, that which born of the flesh is flesh, that we're born of the Spirit is spirit. It says, and the wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh and whither. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. It's going to be like the wind. You're going you're gonna to feel something come over you. And John the Baptist even said you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with, somebody shout, fire. fire. Day of Pentecost, Bible says in Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I'm sharing these verses with her. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I'm, I said, look at this. Sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them clothed tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them. I said, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, it'll be a warmness. And uh, you'll begin to weep sometimes and cry. You'll feel a warmness come over your spirit. She said, it explains it. She said, I've been praying at night. She said, I've been praying at night, Brother Erickson. And she said, when I'm praying, all of a sudden, I feel a warmness come over me. And I didn't know what that was. I said, that's what that was. That was the Holy Ghost and fire. I said, but there's more. When it comes on you, the Bible says, and they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the ability to speak. It happened to me when I was eight years old. It happened to Lakin when she was four years old. When I got the Holy Ghost, I started praying in the heavenly there's nothing like it. Amen. You know, she, man, she said, I'd like to pray. I grabbed her hand on the airplane, some 30,000 feet in the air, Brother Redney. And we started praying, and God started moving. I didn't know he could move on airplanes. I thought he only moved in church. How I many know oh, God's not limited to the four walls of this building? Where a city sat on the hill. And on an airplane, God, God moved. God moved on her and she said, I just have to tell you before we get, before we separate, get off this plane. She said, when I was booking my ticket, she said, I asked God, God, would you send me a preacher that can tell me what's going on when I'm praying? And here I was inconvenienced, but I was in the middle of a strategic location that God was going to show her the truth and show her the way. Can I tell you, eternity is going to be filled with inconvenienced opportunities that gave somebody an opportunity to know about Jesus. And I'm just prophesying, some of you have been inconvenienced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, can I preach to you? We must, we have to get the gospel outside of the building. There are people in your world that need to feel what you feel, that can have what you have. It's got to get out of the building. Do you know the church was never, there was not even a building in the first three centuries of the church? They were the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the church. If you would have asked somebody in the first hundred years of the church, if you would have asked them, where do you go to church? They would have looked at you as if you were crazy. What do you mean, where do I go to church? I am the church. 
I want everybody to shout with me. I am, I am. the church. He didn't say your building's going to be a city set on a hill that, can be, that can't be hid. He said you are going to be the city set on a hill that can't be hid. When you walk on that job, people say, you're something different about him. You walk on the job, you look different, you act different, you talk different. It's not just that, but there's a glory about you. What is that that I feel? There's something different about you, ma'am. What is that? God has strategically placed me in your world because you need what I have. How many know what we have is Jesus on the inside? Amen. I want everybody to shout with me. I have been strategically located to shine the glory of God. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I look back and I see... I see Sherry back there today and their whole wonderful family. I remember we had a picnic now at the Y Bridge. Do you remember that? I remember your precious sister, Julie, coming down there. And uh, Julie, Julie was battling brain cancer. And she came down, and Brother Nehemiah, I remember praying with her. I watched her rededicate her life to the Lord, baptized in Jesus' name. God filled her with the Spirit so powerfully. Do you remember that? It was amazing. I would have loved to have seen Julie got healed of cancer. But she didn't. She went on to be with the Lord. And I have to say, one of the most powerful funerals I've ever preached was that one. I preached on Send the Wagons. About when Joseph and what I said was, just give me a moment here. You know, when I've been away a while, I just want to hang out with y'all for a while. You know that? And, uh, but I was... What well, God gave me, I never preached before ever, and I've preached at a few funerals, funerals since, but Joseph, I mean, Jacob was so worn. The only thing he had left was a bloody coat that belonged to his son, Joseph, that he thought was dead and torn by a lion. How I many know the story? Until the brothers come back and said, Dad, we told you wrong. We just want you to know that Joseph's not dead. He's by the king. And when I preached that at Julie's funeral, and I, I, I said that to this wonderful family. I said, Julie's not dead. She's by the king. I'm telling you, God gave me that word. He really did. And we started singing there. We started having church right there. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. I've had people in town that didn't know me come up to me and say, Are you the, you're the preacher that preached that funeral? I said, yes. You, and they said, you know, I've never felt anything like that in my life. I was at the, I was at the chiropractor. And the lady walked, she said, I ain't never felt anything like that in my life. I had to come and shake your hand. And you know what? It's not me. But when we start talking about him, he always shows up. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? Come on, don't leave your Christianity in this at your seat. You take it home with you. Take it to the job with you. That's how we're going to fill this building up and beyond. It's because you are going to be the church. Somebody shout, I am the church. I want you to shout like you mean, I am, I am. the church. church. Look at your neighbor and say, you are, you are. Church. the church. Woo. You can be seated. Everybody shout, strategically located. They ought to know there's something different about you. He starts off, he said, they're going to mock you. 
I read it. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted, you'll be hated for his name's sake. But you can't worry about the few people mocking you when the hundreds need you. Young people, I went to public school. I know what it's like. They walk up to me and call me Virgin Mary and, oh, you mean you don't drink? I remember one person said, your mama won't let you cuss. And I was thinking, you're right. She'd beat my hide if I'd cussed. Yeah, yeah, making fun of me. I know what it's like. I understand. Very few mock compared to those that are watching. Listen, day of Pentecost, what is this? Marveled at what was going on at Pentecost. They, what is this? How are all these Galileans speaking in this unknown tongue? How, how is this happening? They're marveled. And the Bible says, others mocking. Quit worrying about the others mocking. Not everybody in your family is going to be excited about it. But I'm going to tell you, somebody in your, your family is going to be saved, be saved because of it. Do you believe this? Now, how many are ready to have the greatest revival we've ever had in the history of this church? It's going to happen because of you. It's going to happen in your life. Somebody shout amen. Now, be seated a moment. I'll be done in a few minutes. I told you I'd finish the story about my brother. My brother went over there. The foot traffic that connects that city since he's been there. He has got connected to the jails that has got connected to the leaders that has got connected. A man come walking by one day and, and uh, you, some of you heard me tell it. A man come walking by one day and he said, big old burly guy. And uh, he said, uh, uh, they start sparked up a conversation. They started talking. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, well, we're in this building. We're gonna, this is going to be our church. He said, can I see inside? He's a heroin addict. He comes inside and when he gets in there, he felt the glory of God. How many's ever pressed your nose up against? How many's ever, well, let's do it this way. How many's ever had your kids press their nose up against your glass? Act like you've never done it. Handprints. My wife tells the kid, don't touch the wall. She'll say, don't touch the glass. I just cleaned the glass. A residue from you is left there. You see, when you're worshiping God, you're not just having water. Water evaporates, but you're having the anointing over your worship. It, it brings a residue to the room. Somebody say amen. amen. And watch this. People come in here and they feel things that they don't feel at the crack house around their job. What is that I feel? I don't understand why they jump up and down and shout. I don't understand, but I feel something moving. What is it? It's the glory of God that's in this house. He walks in. Justin walks in. It's not even church day. It's not even church time. They're not even having church there. He walks in and falls on his knees because of the prayers that have been prayed. And when he does, he repents. He gets baptized in Jesus' name. God filled Justin with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, very speaking with other tongues, very powerful experience. God delivered him. And you know what? He starts telling all of his buddies, you got to come to church here. You got to come to church where I'm going to church. You know what? 90 people later. One of his friends he'd been witnessing to, and he goes the he goes the the um, is it heroin treatment that he leads. When they get to the end of it, they start testifying. Well, we've done this, but let me tell you what happened to me. God delivered me. One of the guys in this world is about six nine. 
just up the street from the church, he overdosed on heroin. They put Narcan in him and brought him back. Brother Kenny Jones, you know what that's like. You've done that many times. When they brought him back, they said, do you want us to take you to the hospital? He said, no. He said, see that church right there? He said, I'm going down there and get delivered. And he did. He's now an usher in the church. Let me tell you what this city needs. It doesn't just need another building. It needs the glory of God. It needs the presence. I want everybody to jump to their feet and clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Remain standing. Come to the organ if you will. Everybody shout the church is strategically located. You've been strategically located. They have filled that building up where they are. They're going to have to do multiple services or something. They've already filled that building up. That church has grown so much. You know why? Because it wasn't left up to the preacher. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're the church. If you believe you're the church, God will bring you opportunity. Do you know you attract what you respect? And when you become hungry to win souls, God will put them in your life. I've won people from hotel rooms. I've won people from airplanes multiple times, waiters and waitresses. I remember showing up, I remember showing up at John's door when Ann told me, she said, my neighbor, standing out in the front yard doing something. Ann pulled up, she said, hey, Pastor Bounds. I said, well, how you doing, Ann? She said, well, my brother John's got cancer, worried about him. And I said, I'd be glad to go pray if you'd want me to go pray. I said, just get a hold of me. That was on a Tuesday. And she didn't call me. On Saturday, Brother Nehemiah, we went knocking, door knocking. Remember that? And I said, Brother Nehemiah, where are we going to go? I said, you choose where we go. He said, let's go to Luck Avenue. We're crisscrossing streets, going up and down these streets, trying to talk to people about God, invite them to our Easter service. Out of all the houses, I showed up at John's. We could have went anywhere in Zanesville. God touched him. God moved upon this family. I watched God bring her out of being dead for 12. She was dead for 12 minutes. They didn't think, Henry, you remember that? They didn't think there was any life. They didn't think. They said, we won't know it in the morning. I said, well, why when we said the name of Jesus did she start jerking? Hey, Brother Liggett, Trey, I remember. When we said the name of Jesus, there was no life in him. Car wreck that nearly ripped him in two. We went and prayed. And when we said the name of Jesus, his legs started jerking like that. His mother screamed, ah, hope, he's fine now. What I'm preaching to you is that we're not just another membership where you come and join the, 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 the country club congregation. No, when we pray, something happens. When we worship, God responds. There's something that moves upon us. Do you believe that? Clap your hands and shout hallelujah. When I was a young man, driving down the road, and it changed my life. There's a, there's a guy named Tobias that was to my left. I was on my way to college. Something turned over me. Go tell him that I love him and I want to change his life. Nervousness. How many's ever had that? How many's ever had your heart start racing? You know, we start. Well, I need to get on to college, and God understands. Boy, the further I got away from Him, the 
greater the pressure began to build. Brother Brent, I turned around. Went back toward my house to go talk to him. And there he was on my right washing his Jeep. And I went up. And I talked myself out of it a second time. Come back around. Went on to college. And two days later he died. I've asked God many times to not let his blood be on my hands. I'm not even sure, Brother Shook, why I didn't just go, except I was afraid of being rejected. <laughs> Hear me. God was strategically locating me in his path. I can't judge him. I don't know what happened the next two days, but I know he got killed in a boating accident. But there's been many times I thought what would have happened if I just went over and said, Tobias, I know I don't know you well. We know each other by name, acquaintances, but God told me to tell you he loves you and wants to change your life. I do know what happened when that was told to Noe. He's now a missionary. He was just a stranger, crack cocaine addict in town, but now having thousands of people come to the Lord in Guatemala. I'm, going to tell, I'm prophesying to you. God's going to give you opportunity and His voice is going to speak to you. Do not ignore it. Everybody say amen. I told, uh, I was in this week. It's, it's just changed my life. Everything I do, whether I'm, no matter where I'm at, I'm the church. I was in uh, Eureka, California, preaching the 25th anniversary this week. Brother Nutter, he asked me to preach on Thursday night and uh, their midweek service. And I'd loved, God began to talk to me to preach about hell and eternity. I mean, I, I don't argue with God, but there was a little bit of bent in me that said, Lord, I'd love to preach something happy. It's an anniversary weekend. Oh, God, I want you to preach about eternity. I want you to preach about hell. And... Uh, <clears throat> I have to say it didn't fit the mold of the weekend. But on Thursday night, what came to me, Kevin, was stories of things that happen just before people die. Just before midnight. And I preached about the five wise, five foolish, that at midnight the door was shut, opportunities over. And I got up and told stories like, Brother Tim, Brother Tim, you back there? Brother Tim Thomas, he might have walked out. But he... Uh, we planted the church in Crooksville because God said to do it now. Brother Mealy, we can postpone that. God said to do it now. Do you remember the man came in and repented? He'd been backslid for 25 years. He repented. Been backslid 25 years. And he came to church and repented after 25 years away from God. Three weeks later, he tripped and fell in his driveway and died. But he died saved. And I thought, thank God we had a church in Crooksville. Amen. I'm telling you, there's a prophetic utterance upon me right now. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, God, wake us up as a body. Help us understand that people need us, oh God, to be right with you. I, uh, Tim Thomas came one Sunday and brought a man. He was an elder, elderly man. And he came and repented that day and for whatever reason, we lingered around the church after the back of the church in Crooksville in the foyer. He was sitting in the chair. 
had cancer. And I looked at him. I said, I can't get away from it. My heart starts the same way that it did about reaching Tobias. My heart starts fluttering. It's hard to be aggressive with somebody or, or to come across uh, confrontational or to seem forceful. But I finally couldn't override it. And I said, uh, you need to be baptized today. I said, don't wait till next week. I said, I just feel to tell you, you need to do it now. He said, am I going to die? I said, I, I, can't, I can't say that. I don't know that. But what I do know is that's what I feel to tell you. As, you. as a pastor, I hear the voice of God. You need to do it now. The water was cold in Crooksville, so they put a bathrobe on him and brought him to Zanesville and got baptized here. That was Sunday. He died on Tuesday. I can tell you story after story after story about the last opportunity. And you think I'm going to get up here and just try to make you feel good? I thank God for the building, but there's more to it than in this building. We've got to have a touch of God and the leading of His Spirit. Can you say amen? Sister Teresa, I feel such an urgency in the Spirit. We've got to pray. Keep praying. But we've got to intercede. There are people, I preached a few weeks ago, God spoke to me that there's multitude, multitudes in the valley of decision. I feel people right on the threshold. When I preached that message, Sister Martha, and I, knew, I know you've stood a little while, but I'm, I'm almost done. I got done, I grieved. I grieved. Uh, my wife's watched me many times rolling around in bed at night, wailing and crying because of what I had to preach. Not always easy to preach a you better get right message now. It's easier to make people feel good. I grieve many times because obeying the Lord, yes. Easy, no. I was grieving. Oh God, I hope I didn't embarrass you or embarrass me or this pastor with all these people, a celebratory weekend, and I'm preaching about hell. I'm preaching about eternity. I'll sit beside the pastor. I said, I hope I didn't say anything out of line. I was grieving. He said, you obey the Holy Ghost. And immediately, tongues of interpretation came right there. Somebody stood up, began to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, in action. Speak in tongues. And at the end, and it says, I have sent my servant to preach my word to you, but you've turned your heart from him. Listen now. God began to speak. Listen now, for my trumpet's going to sound soon, but before them, silent trumpets are going to sound. That's death for many of you. Repent. Man, it turned into a prayer meeting. They started praying for their family members, backslidden family members. Listen, listen. You are too far in this to quit. We're too close to the end to be distracted. I'm going to tell you, and I'm your pastor. I see it in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are struggling, not because you've been wrong in here, but because you who you've put right here. What you thought was a good-looking hookup was nothing more than a distracting, distraction sent from the devil to take you to hell. A distraction. Some of you have entertainment in your home that the Holy Ghost told you was wrong, but you overrode it because your friends do it. And that's why you can't pray because what you watch does affect how you pray. And your heart's turning from God right now as I'm preaching. What you don't realize, silent trumpets are going to sound. And you've got to be right with Him. 
and I have been strategically located between you and eternity right now to warn you in the name of Jesus don't you dare play games with God don't you dare contemplate leaving his side don't you dare contemplate going back to the world of sin you'll be lost for eternity but I come to tell you there's a God here right now that wants to save your soul Honey, you were with me. You knew I agreed. I was comforted by the prophetic, by the gifts of the Spirit that operated. A lady repented that weekend. She was backslid for two weeks and she came back to church and repented on Sunday, made an appointment with a pastor on Tuesday and died, I guess by midnight that night. Died in her sleep. And I have to ask myself a question. What would have happened if I'd have just tried to comfort the people just to preach a nice sermon just a celebratory message I'm going to tell you we're too close to the rapture to not be intentional we're too close to the rapture to not be on point we got to come on don't you wake up and go to work and not pray God is moving people what you thought mattered in your future is, is, is really not matters. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. What you feel really matter doesn't matter. God is going to strategically locate you to impact somebody's life for eternity. What I want to ask is how many of you want to be strategically located to impact somebody's eternity? Would you raise your hand? God, look at this. Lord, I'm asking you to look at heaven. Right there's the harvest field. Right there's the laborers. I'm not just going to go to church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get on fire. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost and fire lead me. Come on. Where are you at today? This is I'm not letting another day go to waste. I'm not letting another week at work go to waste. Come on, where are you at? This is God. I am going to be the light. I'm going to be the city. Oh God, you're going to send the lost to me. I'm going to open my mouth and witness to them. I'm going to be the voice of reason. I'm going to, God, I'm going to give my testimony to somebody. Come on, the Lord's calling you. You've been strategically located. And God is strategically moving you. Come on, dust your feet off from the ones that didn't respond. And say, God's putting me in the place for somebody that will respond. Come on, all over the building. God, don't you put off next Sunday what you can do now. You've been thinking about repenting. I want you to do it today. I'm telling you in the fear of God. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Do it today. Don't wait another week. You have no promise of tomorrow. Oh, hallelujah. I want everybody in the building praying. I want everybody in the building reaching out to God. Everybody. Oh God, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Come on, everybody in the building, I want you to repent. God, I'm sorry. Anything that I've said, anything that I've done, 